Halloween night, 1939. Five people disappeared mysteriously from the elevator, including Sally Shine, child movie star. Made little Sally a legend. Tell me something I don't know. All right. I'll tell you what really happened that night. Oh, yeah, lady? And how's that? Because, young man, I was there. Hey, ghosts, ghouls, gremlins, goblins, and everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Boo Case Diaries. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time. <laughs> I mean. Filled with fear. Oh. Ah, yes. Thank you. We're three old fiends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. <laughs> <laughs> we are way too proud of ourselves right yes, now. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> well, cassettes, it's the spooky month. <laughs> we'll get in a couple of those laughs here before the end. This is a not a drill. It's time to get spooky. Two years ago, we spent October learning all about some Disney Halloween movies. This year, we're doing it again. Hell yeah. <laughs> if anybody likes a remake, it's ha, Disney. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Get ready for three episodes on some of our favorite spooky stories from Walt Disney. Woo! <laughs> I'm ready. You feel the spookiness kind of winding down already. <laughs> before Emily Blunt rode off on a jungle cruise, before Captain Jack Sparrow sailed on the Black Pearl, before Eddie Murphy got trapped in the haunted mansion, Steve Gutenberg helped a group of ghosts move on from their untimely death in an elevator shaft. Not sure what I'm talking about? Well... Strap in, because you're in for one thrilling ride. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's probably bound to be full of ups and downs, am I right? <laughs> mostly downs. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> Back in 1997, The Wonderful World of Disney on ABC premiered its latest made-for-TV movie. It starred Steve Gutenberg as a former journalist and a pre-Spider-Man Kirsten Dunst playing his niece. The film had an interesting concept, to say the least. It was based on a Disney World ride, the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Yeah, yes. I think the Twilight Zone. Yeah, Twilight Zone Tower, Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror, yes. yes. Yeah. Today we're taking you back to the late 90s as we uncover the truth behind the mysterious disappearance of five guests at the Hollywood Tower Hotel on Halloween night, 1939. Join us as we take a terrifying look at this spooky Disney gem. Yeah. <laughs> this was one that I watched a lot as a kid. What about you guys? Not a single time. <laughs> Only the one time for this Our... very episode. <laughs> yeah, I have now seen it twice. Nice. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say 20 times. <laughs> no, like, yes. Only, no. only twice. Robin had talked about it multiple times, yep. and we almost watched it off of YouTube once, but it was like just I, the beginning. I actually wanted and Marcy to see this for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I 
really i found i heard that it was on youtube so yeah we tried to watch it and it was abysmal yeah the it was quality terrible was so bad i think oh, it was gosh. only the beginning I refused. too i, feel I was like, like yeah. no no this can't be yeah, this you can't be not the- see it this way yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i bought it mm-hmm. and that way we could actually watch yeah. it marcy was yeah. the reason we're doing disney halloween again because she was like, you know, I want to do Tower of Terror for October. And I said, okay. So you're welcome, yeah. you guys. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, there's no alliteration going on. Yeah. Uh, so before we start talking about this wonderful movie, let's let's talk a little bit about the history of the ride. Yeah. Yeah, get to know it. Have any, to know. have any of you been on the ride? No, of no. course not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it's at Disney World. No. We've never yeah, been there. We've never been there. Nope. Yeah. <sighs> Honestly, poor. Yeah. gosh darn We it. live in Ohio. You'd, we'd have to travel <laughs> yeah. there. Then we'd have to get a ticket mm-hmm. to get in. No. What, what do you expect? You yeah. know? I don't know. <laughs> We're podcasters. Mm-hmm. Not a fucking Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know about you, but we love rides with themes. Not only do you get a thrilling ride, but you get a story that keeps you interested while you wait in line. In Ohio, the best example of this, and the ride that we personally, Robin and I at least, Mm -hmm. (laughs) love, is called Flight of Fear at Kings Island. Ooh, sounds awful. (sighs) It's awesome, Adam. It is. It's really fun. If you guys ever go to Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio... It's uh, you just you get to the cornfield with the hell is real sign and you just keep yeah. going. Yes, keep going. Yes. I do know that sign. Yeah. <laughs> On May 1st, 1989, Disney MGM Studios opened in Florida. Imagineers modeled this park to look like a soundstage as it was themed around films and TV. When Disney needed to add shorter attractions to their parks, Imagineer Kevin Rafferty began brainstorming with his coworkers. One idea that had been tossed around was the concept of a haunted Hollywood hotel. He was talking with another Imagineer named Steve Kirk when he considered the idea of working in the Twilight Zone to draw the ride into a TV theme. Then the name of the ride just came to him. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Sounds cool already. Rafferty later said that when he said the name, Steve Kirk dropped the pencil he was holding and said, you may be on to something. How cool is that? Yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, you tell is. someone your idea and they're like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Rafferty recently recounted pitching the idea to Disney executives, saying, Michael Eisner just lit up when I said Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. When he asked what happens, I knew I had him. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. <laughs> well, I'll Here tell you. <laughs> Later, he added, this is one of the most vivid memories in my entire career. Michael looked at me and said, this is a home run. We've got to do this. It was awesome. So the Imagineers got to work. The design of the building was modeled after the early revival styles of the 20th century in California. Buildings that were looked at for inspiration included the Mission Inn, the Biltmore Hotel, and the Chateau Marmont. 
All right. Very yeah. fancy. Fancy, yeah. fancy places. Yeah, fancy places that none of us could afford to stay in. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely so, not. Exactly. So let's, exactly. let's go to a ride that <laughs> simulates them, and then we almost die. And then that's, so, yeah. 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 It's pretty and fun. then it'll traumatize us so much, we won't ever want to stay and in a place like that. We'll be happy that we can't afford that. <laughs> exactly. This is a great model. You know what? Honestly, damn. Good idea right there. It is a good idea. Since the ride has a 1939 theme, the aesthetic of the building was planned out, including how tall it would be. Imagineers wanted it to be as tall as possible. Due to FAA regulations at the time, any building over 200 feet must have a red beacon at the top. Ew, gross. Yuck. (laughs) Since this would take away from the theme, it was built to 199 feet to avoid the red eyesore. They do that for all of their tall buildings at Disney. That's awesome. It is currently the second tallest attraction in Walt Disney World Resort after Expedition Everest, which is six inches taller. Ah, Mm. Just barely got them. Just just barely. (laughs) As they prepared to design this themed ride, the Imagineers reportedly watched all 165 episodes of The Twilight Zone twice. Whoa. I think they just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, No, no, no. We're still working we're on working. it. We're still yeah, we're working. We're yeah. taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the building's entrance was littered with references to many Twilight Zone episodes. The music, prop settings, and more were created in the spirit of the TV show. So cool. Do you think there's a talkie Tina in there somewhere? Oh my god. Oh snap. Maybe. I hope so. Although it is not centered around an already existing episode, the ride's plot was inspired by a few certain episodes. Little Lost Girl, Season 3, Episode 26, is what prompted the team to center the ride around entering the fifth dimension. Though mostly they talk about the fourth dimension in this episode, at the very end, Rod Sterling questions if it was the fourth dimension or even a fifth dimension. Oh, boy. Who knows? knows? Sixth? Seventh? Yeah. Where where does it end? You know? (laughs) The footage of Rod Sterling in the ride's pre-show is taken and transformed from the eighth episode of Season 3, It's a Good Life. Since Rod Sterling had passed away before they created the ride, Imagineers watched Rod Sterling's opening and ending credits a minimum of ten times in order to pull out the common phrasing he used. This in turn helped them to fashion the pre-show ride video. Oh, wow. Nice. Man. I feel like they would just be like, guys, can we just write it down? Like what he says? Yeah. Like, like we've already watched all 165 episodes twice. And, um, <laughs> do we really need they to? They should have just, you know, listened those first times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they were just having too much fun. <laughs> they, they did the, the skip intro part, huh? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Back in 1994, <laughs> yeah. they were making this. CBS licensed the rights of the Twilight Zone to the Disney theme parks. On July 22nd, 1994, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror opened and quickly became one of the most popular attractions. It was located in Florida at the end of Sunset Boulevard. How cool. Yeah. I mean, just looking at pictures of it, it's so, I don't know, ominous. Yeah. (laughs) It's so tall and dark. And it's just like, I can imagine how people felt coming close to it. There's no doubt in my mind that people were, I mean, for lack of a better word, attracted to this attraction. (laughs) Right? We watched lots of videos about it. And they said that the... Imagineers designed the walkways leading up to it to be uneven. 
Yes. And just weird angles so that you would feel uneasy just walking up to it. Which is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> They're messing with our minds. Oh, After walking into the lobby of the ride, visitors watch as Rod Sterling introduces the pre-ride video. A voice actor imitating Sterling then recounts the unfortunate events that occurred in 1939 when five people mysteriously disappeared after entering the elevator. Then the voice invites the visitors to ride up the service elevator and into the Twilight Zone. Every time I hear the Twilight Zone, like the opening and Mm -hmm. all that stuff, (laughs) I also think of the scary door. I can't help (laughs) but think of both at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. We will link to the actual clip so that you can watch the pre-show video if you want. And if you look closely, you can even spot the little girl is holding Mickey Mouse. A 1930s era Mickey Uh Mouse. Yeah. They're everywhere, man. Hidden Mickeys. Yeah. The pre-ride video was major inspiration for the beginning of the 1997 movie. If you watch them back to back, you can see that the imagery is almost identical, paying homage to the ride. The beginning of this movie is essentially just this video. Yeah. So they're just walking into the elevator, you know, you can see they're going to the 12th floor and Mm -hmm. actually they're going to the 13th floor, I think, on the ride. The scary one. Yes. (laughs) Multiple sources said that the 1930s costumes used for the bellhops in the video were the most expensive, costing over $1,000 per uniform. Wow. Yikes. What the heck? This made it the most expensive costume for any ride at Walt Disney World. Dang, man. Hopefully they could return him. (laughs) Yeah. Because the video is in black and white, audiences don't see that the uniform that the bellhop wears is actually blue and not the iconic deep red color that bellhops tend to wear. What? Yeah. I always picture it as that red. Yes. Always. Always. I've never even seen a bellhop in person. In real life, yeah. Yeah, and I just assume red. Just blues. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the ride was so successful it had four different locations. The original ride is in Florida, and in 2004, Disneyland added its own version of the ride, which was also a major success. Many fans were incredibly upset in 2016 when it was announced that renovations would be made to this location to turn it into the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Yeah. We will link to the YouTube video of the announcement, and by looking at all of the thumbs down and comments, you can see what we mean. Yeah. It's just not as... It, does, it doesn't feel like it has the same heart to yeah, it. it just, yeah, it's just yeah. like a cash grabby thing it to do. It for sure is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the original one that, that yeah. got changed, which is good. And, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is a great movie. As far as the Marvel movies go, it's one of the better mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh... It is weird, though. I don't know. That they took something that was kind of really original and mm-hmm. iconic. Right. And they yeah. were like, oh, let's add a... Let's make it Marvel instead. Yeah, yeah. I could see why people were mad about that. Yeah. Although many were upset about the decision, Disney continued with their plan, and in set 2017, the Guardians ride did open. Oh. Yep. The Tokyo Disney Sea version was completed in 2006. Imagineers had to reimagine the story for this version of the thrilling ride. This was due to the fact that the Twilight Zone was not popular in Japan. The story became about Harrison Hightower III. I love it. Yeah, His name is Hightower. Hightower. And it's a Hightower <laughs> who was a collector and multimillionaire. On the eve of New Year's in 1899, he vanished after having collected a strange statue from Africa. 
His elevator crashes to the ground, and only the statue is found in the elevator. Still kind of spooky. Yeah. The Tower of Terror in Paris opened in 2007. It follows the story of the original, but in 2019, they announced a new dimension of chills, where five new experiences were put into the ride. This included shaft creatures that became scarier the more you scream, and the little girl haunts you even more while you are in the elevator. Um, yeah. what? <laughs> so, Adam, you want to go to that one, right? Absolutely. Go to the Paris one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a, a time. Yeah, Here's the real thing. As bad as I want to go to Disney World or any of the Disney parks, for that uh-huh. matter, I probably won't ride this ride. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will. just can't, man. I'm claustrophobic. But Thrill rides yeah. are not for me. Watching the video, I can tell mm-hmm. it's very, very short. So yeah, like, ah. and it's not, yeah. And it looks really fun. So. It looks, yeah. you know, because you kind of get this no gravity feeling it looks like in it. And I just, I really want yeah, that. The, <laughs> the very feeling that I can't stand. <laughs> if, I, if I could get on a roller coaster that had no zero G hills like yeah. that, I'd be much better on them. But they all haven't because that's the whole point. People love them. Yes. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. So... For those of you who haven't seen this spooktacular movie, (laughs) here's a synopsis for you. It is Halloween night in 1939, and there is a party at the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Five guests board the elevator to head up to the Tip Top Club on the 12th floor. Strange green lightning strikes the hotel, and the guests on the elevator disappear. Mr. Boogity. He strikes again. He trieth. (laughs) He He does try it. Sixty years later, a disgraced journalist, Buzzy Crocker, continues to try to make his way back into the Los Angeles banner. As he continues to look toward that goal, he creates fake news stories for the tabloids with his niece, Anna. His stories attract the attention of Abigail Gregory, an elderly woman that was at the hotel the day of the fateful incident, and has information that will shed light on what happened to the five that disappeared. Yes, I. This is interesting. So he's a disgraced journalist. <laughs> yeah. So now he doctors photos and <laughs> takes fake pictures. Yep. And there's a a scene here, and and when they when Abigail first approaches him, you know, I, I love. I I came to you because you write these stories, and the, it says frozen ghost found in freezer. Yes. <laughs> Which, first of all, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but second yes. of all, that's definitely an Are You Afraid of the Dark reference. Absolutely. <laughs> it is an episode of Are You Afraid yes. of the Dark. And I yes. know every time you say, they say it in that movie, I go, yep, that's what that is. Yep. <laughs> Another thing that I found very funny, I believe he's talking to his niece. Yeah. And he's like, oh, in the newspaper, it's, it's all like all fake. Yeah. He was like, most yeah, of the stories that the print stories. in the newspaper aren't real anyway. Hey, don't kid yourself. Aside from sports and obits, most legit papers are just as bogus. Truth doesn't count. Selling papers counts. I take issue with that one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just just the fact that he was thrown out of the banner right, because, right. He because he wrote he had, something untrue. Yeah, he had misinformation. And so he lost his job. Yeah. And he's saying that the yeah, stories aren't real. <laughs> all of them are fake. I mean, uh... What? All right, so now now that we know what it's about, let's talk a little bit about the making of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
In the mid-1990s, writer and director DJ McHale was finishing up his groundbreaking children's horror anthology show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, if you've heard our podcast before, you may have heard us mention that show from time to time. I mean, not like two minutes ago. I, yeah. It's like one of my favorite shows of all time. Some Nickelodeon producers had jumped ship to Disney around the time DJ was wrapping up his final episodes. And they asked DJ if he would be willing to work on a project for Disney. McHale had built a reputation as someone that had honed his craft of creating entertainment that was scary, but not too scary. Yeah. He's a genius at that. Yeah. When asked by Beyond the Mouse podcast about how he kept this balance, DJ said, It's all about tension. It's about, and this applies to all horror movies, frankly, it's what's truly scary is what you think you might see, not what you see. Using that kind of tension 101, you can translate that to a kid's show because the payoffs will never be as gruesome as they are in adult movies. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for the mm -hmm. most part. Except for the tale of Dead Man's Float. Yeah. And Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. 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 It's That's the scariest true. thing if, ever. If you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when DJ McHale started writing the script for this film, he had to drop any reference to the Twilight Zone because Disney did not secure the rights to the show. Although it might seem like this would make the writing process more difficult, DJ McHale was thankful that he did not have to work it into the story. I get that. Yeah. I feel like that would have made it much more, much harder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Since the characters in the pre-show were not given detailed backstories, he could use their appearances to give them character, stories, and personalities. Disney did not give the team the budget for a big production, so McHale knew that he could not afford to create a period piece that would span the whole movie. For this reason, we are brought into a contemporary setting for most of the film. The story only needed to have two major points that matched the ride. The characters from the elevator and the lightning. DJ McHale felt it was easier to have parameters than to make up a story from scratch. I think it's a great starting place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's such a good little story that can be expanded. And I think they did a perfect job yes. of expanding it. Not mm -hmm. in a way that's like more about the tower itself and about the people necessarily i mean those are there but expanding it in a way that is wholly original to the even the ride yeah mm -hmm. yeah i love the beginning of this movie it just kind of starts mm -hmm. you know it doesn't have yeah. like this opening credits type deal you know it just right. really just yeah. it just begins <laughs> yeah we just see somebody's performing some magic spell and there's like some whispering, which again, mm -hmm. this is it feels very, very free of the darky. And then they launch you into this Hollywood party in 1939, which is so cool. Yeah. You know, they've got the big band music yeah, playing. Yeah, the music. Yeah, oh. at the time, I just knew that as the Chips Ahoy commercial music because that was... And it's just really cool. Like, it's just yeah. this really nice period thing that's so different in the beginning. And I, Adam said he was surprised. Yeah. By the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I just didn't... I mean, I expected it to be at least a little bit spooky opening. Yeah. Since it's technically a spooky movie. Mm -hmm. And not to say that the whole lightning thing isn't, but 
it just went in a completely different direction for the opening. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Not <laughs> super upbeat and then lightning yeah. strikes and they disappear and then that's just the end of the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they move on to contemporary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even like lightning strikes. You watch the, the dial of the, the elevator drop. Like you, yeah. you don't witness no. the elevator falling, like the ride, mm-hmm. because that might be a little too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because in the ride, it's ambiguous. They get struck by lightning and they disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing in the movie. It's a little unclear, but, you know, when you're a kid watching it, you in your brain, you're like, no, they didn't just, like, die, right? Like, Yeah. They, were, yeah, like, yeah. they were transported somewhere, right? Because we didn't yeah. watch them die. No. So, but, and then, of course, they're ghosts mm-hmm. years later. There's lots of really spooky imagery in the beginning of this, too, just, like, as the movie progresses yeah. that I always loved, <laughs> you know, when the, you know, the ghosts are watching them from the windows of the hotel and you mm-hmm. just see the curtains move mm-hmm. as the ghosts yeah. are watching and that kind of stuff. I always loved imagery like that. Yeah, or popping out of the mirror oh to my take gosh. a look. The popping and then out of the mirror. popping back in. <laughs> yes, there's this part where there Steve, Steve Gutenberg, I think, is walking by and... Emmeline Partridge, one yes. of the one of the ghosts, sticks her head out of the mirror and looks in the most late nineties digital effect I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know. Yes. And Beautiful. Yeah. Glorious. And I remember because that was in the trailer ah. that they would show on Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Like, you better watch Ooh, this movie. Yeah. This is the Come scariest movie you'll yes. ever see. In order to begin preparation for the film, DJ got to meet with the Imagineers that worked on creating the ride. When he arrived at the Glendale offices, he noticed how bland and unimaginative the offices were with all their normal cubby holes. Oh, boy. (laughs) Once you stepped inside each cubby, however, you got to see where all the magic and innovation came from. In order to protect all of this magic, DJ had to sign a non-disclosure agreement before entering. That sounds about right. Yeah. When he talked with the creators, it was obvious how proud of Tower of Terror they were. The Imagineers did not hesitate to show him all the schematics and information they had, and they gave him all the information they could and let him control the story. That's good. Yeah. That's Yeah. Because they could have been like, oh, this is what we had envisioned for these yeah, characters. Yeah, here's what or, we think going Here's what on. we think. Yeah. No, they were just like, here, it's all go. the information we use. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because they had to come up with just a little bit of story to just give mm-hmm. the ride some context. Yeah. yeah. So it would make sense for somebody who's there ready to write a full story about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't want to mess with their mojo necessarily. It just it sounds like a dream to me. Like someone yeah. walks in and they're yeah. like, I've got this sweet concept. I have the year. I have the amount of people. I have what happened. You get to explain everything else. Mm-hmm. That to me yeah. sounds like a writer's dream. Oh, yeah. It's like here. Here are some points you have to hit. <laughs> Other than that, have fun. Just just enjoy it, you know? (laughs) As mentioned before, the ride is incredibly detailed. DJ assumed a lot of the filming would be done within the actual building of the ride, but Disney did not want to shut down the ride for the duration of filming. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to lose money. Oh, no. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) They also do not let you skip the line, even if you are making a movie about the ride, according to DJ McHale. Oh, man. (laughs) Better get That's yourself a sad. fast pass. Yeah, gotta, gotta get a fast pass. <laughs> they would have only been able to shoot during the hours of midnight to 4 a.m. Due to this short time frame, they were not able to film on location. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. No. That's yeah. such a short amount of time. Yeah. 
And in the middle of the night. Yeah, and that's not even just actual shooting. That's bringing in crew and yeah. bringing in lighting and all that other fun stuff Get you gotta three have. three minutes of footage and then you're out of there. Yep. <laughs> Although there were sound stages nearby, the production team could not use them because they had been booked for months. So they moved the production from Florida to California. There are shots of the actual ride in the film, however. They are wide building shots and detail shots of statues and carvings that are shown when Buzzy Crocker first enters the building. I thought mm-hmm. so. Well, yes. Watching yes. the movie, I was like, are those real shots of the ride? <laughs> Glad to yes. know that they are. Yes, yes. they are. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. The guy, I mean, they had to. I mean, yeah. Right? I mean, they have the building already for there. Sure. Like, why yeah. not it's, use it? It has such an iconic look. Yeah. yeah. Especially for, like, park, Disney park fans. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is essentially an 88-minute commercial for one ride at Disney World. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you might as well put the, put the ride in it. Put the damn ride <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> and speaking of the way the ride looks real quick, it has a huge neon sign out front, right? Yes. That says Hollywood Tower Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand that for a ride, mm-hmm. but imagine it as a real hotel. <laughs> You would not want to be in the rooms behind that sign. No, I know. In, you, when you think of elegant hotel, yeah. you don't mm-hmm. think of a neon sign. Yeah, no. seriously. Yeah. You yeah. really don't, right? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the way the like dark smudge, mm-hmm. I guess, on the front is makes it almost look like the sign was like smashed into the side of it yeah and that's how it got that look to it i don't know it's just it's really cool it's a cool yeah yeah, definitely it's a it's a cool looking building the beginning exterior shot of the film set in 1939 needed a hollywood tower hotel that looked new because the audience needed to believe that it had recently been built dj McHale was worried that the team would have to use cgi to light up all the letters on the sign as some of them blink or are not on When they went to the top of the tower with a worker, they were in luck and found that there were switches for the neon lights that would fully light the sign. Uh Uh-huh. I think that's cool. So they actually could just switch which letters are lit on any given day. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. It's like, hey, just for like five minutes, we have them all on. All yeah, on. they're just, like, you know. <laughs> with the aesthetic. <laughs> my, the ri- <laughs> my friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ride's not as fun if all the lights are on. <laughs> the production designer was Phil DeGore. He most recently has worked on the set design for the TV series Why Women Kill, which is great and is on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> not a sponsor. I just actually no. really like yeah. that show. <laughs> She's been telling me to watch it, so I gotta I have. watch it. <laughs> DeGore was dedicated to creating the perfect aesthetic for the film, which also meant building an almost exact replica of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror lobby. The only major difference between the replica and the real lobby was that the replica did not have a ceiling. Oh. Yeah. Because a quarter of the budget went to building this set, more scenes needed to take place in the lobby to justify the expense. DJ McHale had scenes that were going to happen in other parts of the hotel, like the kitchen but they got moved into the lobby. Luckily, the room was so diverse and expansive that it does not look like it was all shot in that room. When I read that, I immediately knew which scenes he meant to take place in other rooms. (laughs) And I, because it's it's awesome. I remember there's a part in the movie, and Mm -hmm. this is also in the trailer, was also in the Disney, where one of the ghosts, for reasons, gets up and doesn't have a head on. He like yeah. he's headless and he picks up a knife 
and he's trying to scare them yeah. out of the hotel. Yeah. And it is such a scene that should have been happening in the kitchen. And I yes. know right. when I see that, I'm like, yeah, that was definitely meant because he, 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 it looks like he's on a gurney. Yeah, like he's on this hospital bed right. or something. Yes, right. And he get and it's 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 very clear that he the knife is like a kitchen knife. Yeah. Like it should have been the it's kitchen. Like a big mm-hmm. Yeah. Knife. And I remember seeing that and thinking, why is that happening there. here? Yes. In mm-hmm. this room. I agree. That was one of those, that's the imagery that was burned into my brain <laughs> as a little kid. Like, yeah. oh man, that's rough. Was, yeah. I loved it though. It yes. didn't scare me. I just no. thought, it, I mean, but I do remember it very well. Yeah. I, Mostly because it was in the wrong part of the hotel, right? <laughs> yeah. No, really, really it was just because no. he was headless. I thought yes. that was kind of scary, but I just remember it because it, it's so funny because the ghosts are so antagonistic in the beginning. Yeah. And their personalities change so quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's... It, <laughs> Cause it's like the, the flip of a coin. Yeah, in the beginning, they're like, get out. You know, like, we're you going to kill help you. Us. Yeah, yeah. You're and then they're like, oh, wait, you yeah. can't help us? Oh, hi. Yeah. Uh, my name is, you know. Yeah. Jonathan <laughs> P. Ghost. <laughs> At your service. Yeah, they, call me JP. <laughs> <laughs> One major feature of the hotel is its enormous gates that display the HTH acronym. While searching for a cheat material to make the gates, they found themselves at the same shop that had created the gates for the actual attraction. Not only had they done that, they had also created a backup set. Mikhail could not recall for sure, but he believes that they were given to the team for free because they were in the scrap pile. Mm-hmm. What a stroke of luck. That is Holy moly. Wow. I can't believe they hadn't thrown him out yet. I know. It's been did. a couple years. Yeah. What? Yeah. What was <laughs> it? Three years? Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Lucky them. Damn. How long do you hold on to that stuff? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I I hope somebody took it home. I hope it's in somebody's backyard. Yeah. Same. It's same. Just like a, yeah. Like gigantic game. <laughs> yeah. Man. That's a thought. Like, if I worked in movies, I feel like I'd have way too many, like, overly oh my sized props. Oh, yeah. I'd want to keep something oh, yeah. from every movie. When DJ was interviewed by Beyond the Mountains podcast, he commented on what it was like hiring and working with the cast. This was one of the few movies that he shot in Los Angeles, so many actors that came in to audition were well known. Because of this, he was actually a little starstruck. On another note, he mentioned that it was fun to be able to work with a predominantly adult cast who could carry the workload after having worked with almost exclusively kids. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that was probably nice. Just a breather. It's like, yeah, like, oh, you got it first try. Oh. All right. Next scene. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. He he did mention, he said, you know, after a while, after you work with them for a bit, they become just, you know, normal Normal people. people. They're not, you're not starstruck. It's, it's fine. But he said that when they wrapped all this up and there was a party, and he went with another famous person. I don't remember who, who it was he went with. They went around at this party and, and she was like, oh, my gosh. I was, she's like, is there, is there any famous people that we know? And, he, and he's like, you're famous. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's funny because you, you kind of think it as people who aren't in Hollywood, mm-hmm. non-famous people, we look at it as kind of like. You know this overarching Hollywood environment where yeah. everyone knows everyone. It's all one giant business, right? <laughs> yeah. When in fact that's not the case at right. all. No. So it 
doesn't make sense to us, but it probably happens all the time that yeah. celebrities who are famous are then starstruck by other celebrities, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It is so funny. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of those stars now. First up, we got Steve Gutenberg as Buzzy Crocker, known for his roles in the Police Academy series and Three Men and a Baby. This was not the first time that DJ McHale had used the name Buzzy Crocker for a character. As an NYU student, he made a film called Deadline, and the reporter's name in that was also Buzzy Crocker. When having to replace audio, DJ met up with Steve at a street cafe in Toronto, where Steve was recognized constantly, and everyone who saw him wanted to say hello. DJ said that Steve was genuinely happy and nice to each and every person. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's nice. That is really nice. Next, we have Kirsten Dunst as Anna Peterson. She starred in many child roles until, of course, Spider-Man in 2002. She's also the voice of young Anastasia. Yes, she is. In Anastasia, and that came out the same year as this movie. That's true. Nice. Next, we have Nia Peoples as Jill Perry. She was in the show Fame from 1983 to 1987, as well as Walker, Texas Ranger from 1999 to 2001. Cool. All right. Yeah. Michael McShane as Chris Q. Todd, one of our favorite characters in this. So good. Yes. (laughs) Known for his roles in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Office Space, and he was the voice for both Tuck and Roll in A Bug's Life. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really do. And he's, I believe he's also in Tom and Huck, which is another Disney movie, mm-hmm. which is around the same time. Yes. He's so good. And yeah. The delivery at the end is my favorite thing where they're like, you know, oh, it's all over, you know, and they're like, what are you going to do next? And he's like, <laughs> it's just the most brilliant like yes. delivery of because he'd been saying cha-ching the whole movie so this character is descendant of one of the people who disappeared and yes, it, the bellhop. Yes. yeah and he somehow is going to inherit the hotel his great-grandfather owned the hotel yes I yeah believe. and so his grandfather was a bellhop mm-hmm. at the hotel and i guess if they like solve this yeah then he gets the hotel Something uh, like that? Somehow? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he like, uh, but it works, Because he I doesn't want to go inside it now because it's all haunted. Yeah. yeah. So he's, you know, once they once they clear all the ghosts out, he wants to yeah. own it yeah. and, and uh, to open it up again and operate it and make lots of money. But I love yeah. this guy. He's just so really charismatic. Yeah, he's he great so, for kids' movies. He's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amzie Strickland as Abigail Gregory. Her acting career dates as far back as 1937 in many uncredited roles, as well as many TV series like Seventh Heaven and Sister, Sister. Aww. (laughs) So she did a lot. Which DJ McHale said that she was one of the greatest people to work with because she had been in pretty much everything. He said that normally resumes come in chronological order, but hers was alphabetical order. (laughs) That means that you've got a lot. Yeah. A lot that means stuff. you Easy. cannot find anything in that list if it's not alphabetical. I mean, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> I mean, you go to IMDb for her page and it's yes. just scroll, scroll, yeah. scroll. <laughs> I love her in this, too. Mm-hmm. She does a really good job. She plays this kind of meek, 
yeah. old lady that you think couldn't hurt a fly. Mm-hmm. And it's so obvious. I think probably because I show, watch this with Marcy, mm-hmm. and Marcy's always been a bit of a detective when we watch things. You know, I yeah. don my detective hat. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> I think we were only about 20 minutes in. You were like, yeah. well, it's definitely her. She did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> because all signs really point to her. This is it's so obvious. Like, and I'm like, it, it is obvious, except that she's this really sweet, sweet. innocent old lady, yeah. and nobody even expects or suspects that it could be her simply because of that. Yes, I'll be honest, I didn't no? suspect her. <laughs> I yeah. I kind of bought the story. Oh yeah, for the most part. So yeah, I said, like, okay. oh, I was there. Yeah, yeah I kind of get it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, I understood yeah. the whole thing. Then when she the starts end. cackling, you're like, yeah, oh, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, when she starts maniacally laughing at the gates, uh, unprompted, by the way. Yeah, nothing's yeah. happening out there. They're all no. inside. She can't see them. They're figuring yeah. out what's going on. And then the camera shows her, and she is just maniacally laughing at the gates. Yeah. Just because. And, and the part where they're like, aren't you coming with us? And she's like, uh, no, I've got to get things ready. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's like Too like, many bad mean? memories. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure. Right. She knows all of this stuff about conjuring. Yeah. I was like, she had just gotten this book to she, look over of all this conjuring yeah, stuff. Yeah, she knows all this and stuff. And she's already like a pro at it. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and like my... The thing about it is that when I was a kid, it was like, oh, I'm sure she just, yeah, she did it, but she wants to make amends. Like, she's trying to make it better. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. She's trying to make it worse. Yeah. She's trying to, like, her. Finish it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've not seen this movie, she is the reason these people disappear in the elevator. Yes. And her plan, because Sally Shine, one of the characters, is her sister, her plan is to, like, further damn her to hell or something yes like, it is kill her again kind yeah yeah it's like it don't the, the spell only half worked because they're all still at the hotel the ghosts are mm-hmm. she wants to like really <laughs> make it worse yes yeah. yeah next we have melora harden as claire poulet an actress with many tv roles such as little house on the prairie murder she wrote and gilmore girls oh and the song that she sings at the end is one that a close friend of hers wrote. Aww. So nice. That's sweet. So cute. Next, we have Alistair Duncan as Gilbert London. He has become a well-known voice actor for video games and cartoons, such as The Batman from 2004, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, and the recent God of War. Cool. Yeah. Super cool when I nice. found that out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, holy oh, shit. I love those. <laughs> I like this character, too. Yeah, this, like, sassy so, guy. So good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one job, to run the elevator. Couldn't even do that right. The truth hurts, doesn't it? Gilbert, we don't know the truth. All we know is we were in the elevator, there was a flash of light, and... And here we are, all dressed up and no place to go. Cheers. Lindsay Ridgway as Sally Shine. She doesn't have many credits, but those she does have uh, include Boy Meets World from 1996 to 2000 and Cats Don't Dance. Yeah. So this this <laughs> character, I think she's, I feel like they kind of modeled her after Shirley Temple. Yes, they you know, did, yeah. The, it was that 
kind of era, that time. Yes. She's got curly hair, flouncy little dress. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, she is very Shirley Temple-esque, mm-hmm. for sure. And they say that she was a child film star, star. and could mm-hmm. sing and dance. Right. And her name's Sally Shine. Yeah. Also, she's Morgan in Boy Meets World, the second Morgan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were two Morgans <laughs> in Boy Meets World. <laughs> And, yeah, she was the second one. I, I think it's really cool because she, this character is so different from that Morgan that I never even realized it was her. Yeah. 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 Damn. Good actress. Next, we have John Franklin as Dewey Todd, another actor with relatively few credits, but he appeared in films and series such as Tammy and the T-Rex, <laughs> Star Trek Voyager, and The Addams Family. Cool. <laughs> I, I had to include Tammy and the T-Rex because... It's one of the most glorious disasters <laughs> really? in film history. Oh my god! Because it's a movie with a like costume animatronic T Rex, oh. and he like surfs. I think at one point, you know, just the most. Oh my gosh! Damn. Uh, had to include it. Had to. I saw it on the IMDb it. page, and I was like, oh, perfect. My Have god. to. The character of Dewey appears in the book series Pendragon that DJ McHale had created. The events take place in the book prior to 1939 in Manhattan, and in book three, he says he's going to work at his grandfather's hotel in California. Ooh. I love that. Nice. You know, I think that's so cool that he does that. Yes. I think it's so cool that he can, he does all this different media, and he's like, I can connect all of my stuff if I want. Yeah. Why he's not? like, why oh, not? Yeah. yeah. And in book eight, they go back to the Manhattan Hotel, and someone comments on the fact that Dewey disappeared at the California Hotel. That's awesome. That is cool, man. (laughs) I love it. For people who read, like, entire series Mm -hmm. or follow a certain creator and and look at everything they do, that's the cool stuff to find. Yes. You know, those little Easter eggs are awesome. And lastly, we have Wendy Worthington as Emmeline Partridge. She has many roles, and Tower of Terror is one of her most well-known. Others are Allie McBeal and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, yeah, Emmeline Partridge is this old witch. They say it several times in this movie, and it drives (laughs) me crazy because she, every time I go, dude, she's like 40. Yeah. And every time. What an old hag. You're too young. Emmeline Partridge is an old witch. <laughs> and they and like they didn't even put old lady makeup no. on her. Like she's not supposed to be older <laughs> than whatever age she is. Yeah. Yeah. They just they're looking at this forty year old woman and they're like, Wow. Man, God, what yeah. is she like ninety three? <laughs> like, oh um, she's wearing just a drab dress. Oh my yeah. gosh, she must be so old. <laughs> So although it's not the most well-known film from the wonderful world of Disney, Tower of Terror has garnered a cult following in recent years. Kristen Dunst was nominated for a Young Artist Award for Best Actress in a TV movie slash miniseries slash pilot. Cool. Ah, That's cool. Nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, you cannot currently watch the movie online. However, it is available for purchase. Yes. Yeah, you can buy it. That's what I do. (laughs) Which we recommend. You just commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, just commit. Just go all the way. Because it's a great movie. It is. It's it's like, it's just a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You won't regret it. I would say that it does have a pretty strong cult following. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it being like the first 
movie done on a theme park ride yeah. by Disney yes. kind of has some clout that people don't think about. Yes. Exactly. You know, because what's the first one that comes to most people's head is probably Pirates, Pirates. of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. And more recently with Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the granddaddy of them all. Yes. Tower this, of one. Terror. this one. Right here. Mm-hmm. When the, this movie where they wanted to give him no budget at all. Yep. <laughs> and he still made a pretty good movie. And then, yes. Damn I mean, good. honestly, yeah. Well... Recently, there had been talks about creating a new movie based on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Mm. This movie would also have its own story due to CBS still owning the rights to the Twilight Zone. Scarlett Johansson's Three Pictures production company was set to produce the film and have her as the lead. I think that's mm. interesting. I guess it would. She maybe she's the reporter now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah. Pre-production for the film seems to have halted due to the recent legal disputes between Scarlett Johansson and Disney. Oops. Yeah, yep. some complicated stuff that we are definitely not going to get into. No. <laughs> this does not completely rule out a new Tower of Terror movie, but it will most likely not be with Scarlett Johansson. I- I'd be fine if they don't remake it, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Just that. I think keep they should, doing this. I wish this one could be available on Disney+, Plus and maybe you have a little yeah. bit yes. of a revival. Find... Find the old footage and like scale it up because I'm sure they could do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that it's in a little bit nicer quality and re-release it. Yeah, mm-hmm. easy, easy peasy, and maybe give us some more special features. You know? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. We'd like to watch an do audio commentary. Get or some something. commentary from some yeah. of the people that worked on it. So, what did you guys think of this movie? Since you guys just recently saw it for the first time, oh, I man. thought it was great. Yeah. It, you know, we keep talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like one big Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause in, I, I was going to ask you, yeah, what, what you rate this on, on your scale. Oh, on your oh, scarometer. On, sc- on the scarometer, it is super low. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very scary. There are some scary, like, themes yeah. and moments. Like the, the headless guy. Yeah. You know, that's kind of scary to think mm-hmm. about. And the idea of the... Uh, elevator falling and that, yeah. that scene with the I get real vertigo from looking down the elevator yeah. shaft, that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, there are hints of it. Yeah. But really it's it's like yeah. a one. You know, it's mm-hmm. not scary. It's just a fun, spooky movie, you know, because they exist where it's just like, ooh, having fun at Halloween time, you know, <laughs> yeah. with pumpkins and ghosts and such. Yeah. It really is to mm-hmm. me it's kind of got that Halloween town feeling yes, to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just yeah. that fun spookiness mm-hmm. but nothing's actually scary about no. it right yeah you know it's like it's like when you eat spicy food but it's not hot spicy mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah it's yeah. just flavorful but it doesn't there's no heat to it that's right. kind of like what it reminds yes. me of right yeah yeah <laughs> and there are some good funny parts in this movie too so yes oh, yeah. so i think oh, yeah. it works out as not scary so even if you hate horror in all of its forms <laughs> this is an easy one yes but and it reminds me, I do want to point out one thing that I thought was very funny when we were watching it. When he comes out on that like cart or whatever it is. Yeah, when the body comes out yeah. on kind mm-hmm. of like a gurney ish I think it what it is, it's a catering cart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, it's a dummy. And that's when he pops up. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I needed there to be a line there. Ah. It wasn't, but it's okay. I needed it to be like I'm not the dummy. You're the dummy. <laughs> Something like that. That would have been that would have been great. But I, it's fine. <laughs> I'm happy with it as it is. It's fine. I 
Yeah, I love all the just the spooky nature of the the lobby. Mm-hmm. I I love just like the funny the fun little spooky things that they do with the curtains. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the ghosts are just watching them when they're trying to scare them, and they open the elevator shafts, and it's just fire. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they're just they're just trying to scare her, and mm-hmm. they're just throwing all the stuff that they can do. I love the ambiguous power of these ghosts. They yeah. have mm-hmm. incredible no power. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. And supposedly they can like leave too. Yeah. They yeah. can just walk on out of that hotel. And I don't know why they don't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I would. Yeah. At least get. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Please go outside she, every once because in a while. Because she just showed up as like a regular person yes. with a different name. You know, totally yeah. fooled everyone. There's a, there's a character who appears and kind of fools the audience. Yeah. Because we all think she's a regular person. Mm-hmm. And it turns out she's been fooling them. And she's <gasps> actually one of the ghosts. Ugh. And Dastardly. She's outside. She, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It's it's also interesting that they can only hear the party one time a year, but yeah. they're stuck there the entire there, year. I yeah. feel like there's this rich lore that I want to mm-hmm. know so much more yes. about. You know, and they just didn't have time yeah. and he didn't have budget and there was no way to like really explore a lot of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. I feel that way about a lot of Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. Yeah. Where there's characters that I'm like, I just really want to know more about, about what's going on here. Yeah. And so I, I love I love that this movie has that mystery to it. Yes. Where mm-hmm. there are characters and some people might see it and be like, well, that just doesn't make sense. They just didn't think it through. And it's like, no, yeah. I'm sure he did. There was just no time. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. There's this, there's this mystery to this movie. I really and I love how happy the ending is. Yeah. It's got a very upbeat. Mm-hmm. Everything turned out perfectly. Yeah. At the absolutely end. perfectly. Oh, uh, maybe a little too perfectly yeah. for the for Abigail. I feel yes, like maybe I Abigail. Agree. Right. Yeah. I, she I, got I, off the hook a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the scariest aspects of this is that she was willing, even in her sixties, to to fully kill off her sister yes she had yeah yeah. because if you think about it her sister has haunted her for you know those 60 years right and killing her the rest of the way isn't gonna change the fact that her sister was in the tabloids and all those things for so long it really doesn't it doesn't take away her like yeah exactly so i i'm a little little questioning her on that but i guess she's been bitter for so long that yeah it's honestly it it is it's very sad yeah because she's in this hospital Mm -hmm. and she's sick you know yeah and she needs help and obviously none of that help has done anything for her because she's still yeah, very much hung she's up been on able this. to hide yeah. it. And yeah, and it's it's very sad actually. Yeah, more than anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it it is really sweet that at the end she has this closure and yeah, she's, it seems to be okay. I mean, she dies definitely, yeah. which is weird. Very. Like nothing happens to kill her. She just kind of does die. She just evaporates along with the rest of yeah. the ghosts. Yeah, and then changes and then into young. being a young yeah. girl. Yeah, again. which is I think confusing, but yes. maybe. You know, I don't. I don't know. You know, it's, the ghosts yeah. have just the greatest power. The ghosts uh, just yeah, killed her. Seriously. They were like, "Oh, it was you? Well, you can die." Here you go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going down. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I feel like she was stuck 
in the frame of a mi- the mind of a young girl. Yeah. Like, she never right. got to grow up. She was so obsessed with it that she yes. just... Yes. Yeah. She didn't get to live out. her own yeah. life. She just ended up in a mental facility. And, yeah. And so I feel like her soul was, was still young. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, I... Obviously, that mental facility wasn't the best. No. You know, because we got to meet one person that worked there in this yeah. movie, and, and his scenes are not ideal. No. Uh, no. Yeah. So, yeah, it is sad, really. Yeah. It, it is. Mm-hmm. So, but everything else turns out okay for yeah, everybody else. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, proposals happen. Yes. And singing people happens. People get married. People and... kiss in elevators. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> What the hell was that proposal? <laughs> oh. At least get down on your knee, my guy. Oh yeah, oh. he waited sixty years, dude. I don't. He waited sixty years. Then you, then you do it right. <laughs> when you finally have the chance, you do it right. They're gonna die. I mean, they're dead anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well then, I'm just teasing. Yeah. Hey, you know what? When I got proposed to, there was no knee bending uh, for me. That's so. true. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, and then like Buzzy ending up with the reporter woman. And yeah, then, that, that uh, was a little, as an adult, it's like, mm, okay. They, yeah. I think it would have worked out better if they had more time to yeah. establish their previous relationship mm-hmm. before the rest of the movie happened. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. mentioned it. I, based, based on what, like the dialogue, it sounded like they were in a pretty serious relationship. Yeah. 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 And that they broke up because he was a fraud. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although Disney's Tower of Terror wasn't technically a Disney Channel original movie, it was prominently featured on Disney Channel for several years. For many of us 90s kids, it was a Halloween staple, a fun ride that felt like a prolonged episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So for our first episode of Disney Halloween, we were happy to take you into the fourth or maybe fifth dimension, down an elevator shaft and into the not-so-twilight zone. Because copyright i guess yeah yeah (laughs) so if you haven't seen this wonderful disney charmer go ahead and give it a go we're sure you'll fall in love (laughs) 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 and with that that's another case closed Oh, that one didn't even sound like multiple hands. Yeah, yeah. that was just that one. That sounded like one of us clapped, but I assure you, all three of us did. <laughs> <laughs> no doubting here. Yeah, if I nope. say it again, it'll nope. sound like I'm lying. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, Carlos, and Jaren. Yay! Woo! Hooray. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'll get faster every time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we need more people. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash diary. And we would just want to thank you all for supporting us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Thank you. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you. you. And you can uh, always find us at blackcasediaries.com. Yes. Hooray. Always. <laughs> Piece of cake. Yes. Bye. Bye. See you next time. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. 